It is Money Talk. Good morning. It's 16 minutes past eight. And let's uh, bring in our guests for today. And uh, let's say hello and good morning to Andrew Ferris, who is the CEO of Ecognosis Advisory, and Kay Van Peterson, Strategic Advisor to the Hoddle Group. Uh, good morning to you both. Morning. Morning. Uh, thanks very much for joining us uh, on Money Talk. Uh, here we are. It is the Thanksgiving holiday in the US. So uh, I guess a time to take stock and uh, review perhaps where we are uh, as far as interest rates and so on are concerned. Uh, Kay, do you want to uh, kick off? I mean, how are you generally feeling about uh, economic activity around the world at the moment and, you know, the potential for further interest rates? Or are we going to see things on hold for a while, do you think? Hey, James. Uh, listen, great to be on, and, and happy Thanksgiving to, to those that celebrate that. Uh, I'm kind of going into year-end. We're obviously doing that last uh, shuffle sprint, and there's only a few weeks left for any kind of real business, but I'm quite bullish. Uh, you know, I think we were on uh, a few months ago, and I felt that the Fed was done. Uh, U.S. rates had, had seen their peak. I was potentially still a little bit early because we had that kind of last push on U.S. 10 years to about 5%. But now, as you, you know, alluded and showed, we're back to 4.4. And I think people are underestimating just how bullish the macro environment would be for risk assets in uh, 2024. So uh, I really like crypto, uh, which should be no surprise. Uh, and I also think gold is looking very interesting, commodities in general, and I also expect a weaker dollar. So um, very, very bullish, you know, going into year end and in regards to outlook for 2024. Let's come back to crypto in a moment. But Andrew, are you bullish as well? You're in London at the moment. I wonder how the European and British economies are, are feeling uh, on this Black Friday. Well, I'm afraid the UK is uh, still delving, uh, not in a particularly uh, easy floating place. Uh, as far as the United States is concerned, I gave up a long time ago with my clients of uh, forecasting the peak of uh, interest rates because the Fed is absolutely clear it will all depend on numbers. So unless you spend, uh, I think, wasted time trying to forecast inflation, therefore forecasting interest rates, it's best actually to concentrate on sectors. Find out a particular sector on which uh, interest rates do not play a great degree of role and then spend your time there. Uh, we have spoken a lot about this in, in past interviews on RDHK. And I don't want to repeat this. However, and that's a very, very big however, James. <laughs> and this was received zero attention in the media. And that really aches me. Uh, 30th of November, we're having the COP28, that's the United Nations on Climate meeting in Dubai, and the United Nations sent their preliminary report, and I can tell you, if I had children, I would be wicked about it. I mean, the climate situation is grim, and it is getting grimmer, and although countries are doing a great deal, I'm not telling you they're not doing anything, nothing is doing, is being done enough to avoid a real climate crash come the year between 30 and 50. And unfortunately, the climatologists proved spot on in the last 10 years, so I really don't want to judge them. So I left aside whether I feel particularly bullish uh, on, on, on this day, because I just read the report. It came out mm. on Monday. I, I didn't read it straight away. I read it now and uh, read it and weep. Talk about the uh, Tibetan Book of the Dead. I mean, that makes cheerful reading. Rather depressing, I should imagine, absolutely. Um, you know, Andrew, we've spoken about this before, but uh, the green environment does give uh, investors opportunities, though, doesn't it? And there are plenty of places to invest in this, yeah? Absolutely. 
And uh, having said that, having said, okay, this looks absolutely grim, what do I buy? Actually, the results of uh, it, the, the Dubai conference finishes, I think, on the uh, 12th of December. Okay, they're going to be, the results are going to be grim. We already know exactly what's going to happen. Nothing. Okay, the major polluters are United States, Europe, uh, United States, sorry, Europe, European Union, China, and India. And I can tell you, they are not going to go out of their way. Uh, to, to, to reduce uh, uh, emissions, emissions, and therefore the only thing that could, in inverted commas, save us is the efforts of the private sector, of course, of renewable uh, uh, renewable um, uh, energy companies. So and that's where we should be putting our money at the moment? Uh, I think absolutely, because it's going to be the last raft of, uh, of saving grace. The governments will be able to do very little. Companies can do a great deal. And, of course, sectors, all sectors, and individual companies continue to do a great deal. Look, a lot of investment is taking place on renewable energy. I'm not for one moment saying people stop doing anything. Okay, it is a matter of the collective effort which is just going to fail us. Okay, are you looking at green possibilities for placing, uh, you know, monies from your clients? Or, you know, or are you looking in other areas? So, listen, you know, I just hats off to Andrew, right, because he's absolutely spot on. You know, what's the point of making uh, tons of money uh, buying whatever you want if uh, the earth is, is basically going down the drain? Um, and this was, you know, one of actually the key structural conversations that was being discussed in Singapore last week over uh, Salt Asia uh, as well as the Singapore FinTech Festival. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, you, you have the momentum in all the pollution that we've been doing for decades, Right. Uh, basically, just as a species, we've, we've been terrible custodians of the planet. I think what, what, one thing that stood out that I'd love to share, and it's also maybe something for Andrew and, and his side of the pond to keep in mind, is the, the sense I was getting is, yes, of course, you know, back projects, private side, uh, that's probably the part that's going to lead. But this is, this is not going to be solved without a government stepping up in a very, very, very big way. Because one of the takeaways that I had, and it's, it's again, not to be pessimistic, is we really need to get much bigger and much, much greater magnitude much sooner. So need something like on the scale of China, you know, focusing literally trillions of dollars and resources and people uh, to do this. And I will say that China is, I would say, argue a lot more lines to do this from a social stability standpoint than, let's say, uh, the U.S. or, or, or EU or, or, or India. But it's a tough puzzle to, to fix, and there's just no doubt from the map that global average temperatures are going up, right? And I believe, depending on what stat it is, uh, I think this summer was, you know, the hottest maybe on record. And, and it's, um, it doesn't have to go up that much for the world to be changed kind of forever. So where do you see the investment opportunities, Kay, with uh, this particular area? Yeah, so this is absolutely not my domain expertise, but I will, I will paraphrase some of the things that I've, I've heard from people who've, who've gone deep down into it. Um, you know, this is not, um, don't get me wrong, EV, solving for uh, methane, you know, there's, there, there's elements of, let's say, where you, you're, you're literally feeding cows, um, you know, seaweed, it, it lowers their methane produce, is of course, just changing lifestyle habits in regards to uh, alternative proteins rather than animal proteins. Uh, but um, the, the things that I was hearing was literally, you know, bioengineering. Like, that's, what, that's the level we have to be looking at. You know, it's like keeping uh, the ice in the North Pole. It's like, uh, you know, aggressive reforestation. It's uh, aggressive, uh, you know, taking out of uh, pollutants like plastic. So it's, it's a lot more major scale than, let's say, the three of us starting a venture right. and then hoping to be somewhere in 10 years. 
Interesting. Well, let's turn to an area which perhaps you're a bit more familiar with, and that's um, uh, crypto. Um, you know, the, the the rise and fall of Bitcoin is a, is an interesting one. Um, you know, it's been going up again in the last uh, few days, currently standing at 37,000 US, uh, USD. But I think uh, you and your firm are looking for it to rise a lot more. Is that right? Yeah, so it's a little bit bittersweet because obviously we've been raising capital, right? So uh, you don't want the bull market to take off uh, just just yet. And it's obviously been a tough environment given uh, the, the levels we're coming from from a bull market perspective. But uh, just to give the, the, the listeners context, you know, the last peak saw the, the entire space get to about $3 trillion. Bitcoin got to just shy of, of 70K. Uh, it's still too early to know whether this is the beginning of the next bull cycle, but we definitely have had very bullish outbreaks in regards to Bitcoin and ETH. I think where we started talking uh, on this show, we're in the 20 to, to, to 25K range, and here, of course, we're sitting at 35 to 36. Uh, so we expect the next cycle, we'll see the space go to about 6 to 10 trillion. Uh, how does that compare? Well, let's say in November 2021, when, when the space was at $3 trillion in total value, that was just sub 3% of total global equity. So still, still, still very, very early and very young. But the one, one key caveat I'll say is what's different about this cycle potentially is there's a lot more regulation that was spurred by the FTX blowup. Uh, we have the ETFs, which, you know, are, are going to be on the cusp of uh, being green-lighted, whether that's into the tail end of this year or, or early next year. Uh, is kind of besides the point. The main thing is that will give true institutional money uh, an easy way to get exposure. There's probably over 25 trillion uh, represented by the asset managers who have ETFs for Bitcoin spot uh, waiting with the SEC. We, of course, have the halving of Bitcoin in April, uh, which is historically at least coincided with with bullishness in the space. Uh, Mm. But I will also caveat one thing. You know, the most interesting thing about crypto uh, James and Andrew is, is actually not the price action. It's it's the underlying tech. It's the potential projects and companies that are being built. It's potentially given a different governance structure uh, that you know a trad by centralized world uh, needs. So um, I definitely think it's you know it's just something that overall makes the right. system uh, much much better. Andrew, is is that something that you'd concur with? You, do do you see any opportunities uh, in crypto? I, I think you've been a bit more negative on this in the past. Well, actually, I have to declare directly an, an interest here. For the last three years, I have been writing extensively and massively negatively on crypto, and my message was simply one thing: don't touch it. So I'm afraid it will be it will be stupid to enter into a discussion on something that existentialist, as uh, <laughs> as uh, as an economist with 53 years experience. Okay, I that I just don't invest on nothing. It's as simple as that. I'm yeah. sorry, Kate. You know, you, you have heard this before, and you don't need to hear from me now. So I think it is fair to my colleague here on RTHK and to the audience, rather than start on a tirade or why, you know, I never invested and I will never invest in crypto. Um, yeah, Andrew, I know you've been keeping an eye, uh, an eye on AI, though, this week. And, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts, uh, you know, around Sam, Sam Altman and what's, uh, and what's been going on there? Well, it, it looked so strange that uh, a group of uh, members of the board actually fired the, the grandfather of it all, and he's backed by Microsoft. Well, hang on a minute. You know, I wandered drunkenly into a bar, and I started a fight <laughs> with Goldman Sachs, with Microsoft. <laughs> you just don't do that. And the only thing that I could guess out of that was their disappointment that uh, Sam Altman was not as keen about controlling the uses of the AI as far as they were. I'm only telling you what I read in the newspaper. 
but it was a strange form of, uh, let's say, shareholders' democracy, whereby the board of directors says one thing, and the shareholder says, absolutely not. I mean, it, 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 is, it, is, it is interesting. I mean, you know, is, is that something that you think is right, that that can happen in, in this kind of environment? Well, apparently, apparently it does. And in a way, actually, since uh, I love democracy, then it is very interesting to see that the board of directors can't just exercise absolute power without paying any attention what their, what their owners will do. In other words, you can't, you can't exercise uh, kind of an administration of uh, people's property without at the same time taking a view of what they think and not just uh, what you think. But as I said, it was, it was very odd, actually, very odd. And I'm fascinated that uh, the press took it on with the same passion that uh, any sex and violence uh, story, particularly something that involved <laughs> both of them, mm. <laughs> would interest them. Well, we'll watch with interest what happens at uh, OpenAI. Uh, Andrew Ferris is the CEO of Ecognosis Advisory. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you to Kay Van Peterson, strategic advisor to the HODL Group, for joining us this morning on.